Welcome to the Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of seven angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes, and you can have it too. Let's get down to business. I'm back. You guys, it feels crazy and surreal to actually be back doing podcasting. It's been so long that I think I actually forgot how to use the software and the equipment and all of that. I don't know. Has it been five months? I don't know. I have a lot of things to tell you and catch up on, but I just want to tell you that I have been waiting for this. I love podcasting, and the truth be told, y'all love it too, because I've gotten so many emails, so many mentions in the time that I've been having my baby and surviving a newborn (laughs) about when am I going to get back to podcasting, and I get it. I miss you guys too, and so I'm so glad to be back, and I'm so glad to be well enough to be back, because let me tell y'all, it has been a rough ride. This baby... Number seven, Mr. Hayes, his name is Hayes, wasn't an easy pregnancy, was an incredibly traumatic delivery, (laughs) and postpartum, I also had quite a few challenges that made it pretty rough, guys. And I'm not saying that to be a woe is me, self-pity type thing. It's just the facts, guys. (laughs) And to be recovered, really recovering and feeling pretty good right now is not something I'm taking for granted. I was so lucky to have my mom here for, I'd say two out of the last three months. I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful. She has been the reason why things did not fall apart. I'm pretty sure she just went home last Tuesday. And so we're adjusting and shifting, but you know what? It's good, right? It's good to get back in your own groove, figure things out, and find that right new balance for yourself again. So I'm embracing that. And look at me. I'm back on this podcast with you guys right now, so I can't even say it's not working out. (laughs) But before I jump into the topic at hand today, I got to tell you guys a crazy story. (laughs) So I was actually due on January 20th. I had my baby on the 17th. But guess what happened on my due date? My dog, Mabel, a golden retriever, had puppies. She gave birth on my due date to eight puppies. And this was a source of some stress. I have to admit, I wasn't very happy to find out that Mabel was also expecting. (laughs) But I have to tell you, it's actually been a pretty cool experience. And even though I was dreading it, I'm really glad it happened. (laughs) We've had a lot of fun with these eight puppies, and you know, we just weren't planning on this. We actually wanted to avoid this, but it's really difficult to keep a dog in heat away from other dogs for several weeks. Did you guys know this? Because we didn't know. And our neighborhood has like 10 acre lots, it's pretty spread out with houses. But the neighborhood stud, a yellow lab who actually is used for his stud services, came for a visit one day and pretty soon Mabel was having puppies, but I was so impressed with her. She delivered her puppies without any help. 
She cleaned them all up and she loved them and fed them and took care of them. She definitely eventually got sick of them, I noticed, which I can completely relate to. And let me tell you guys, it was the weirdest thing because I have this connection to Mabel now that I've never had. We are experiencing the same thing. (laughs) I would look in on her and she'd just be laid out, eight puppies nursing away for hours a day. She just looked put out a lot of times, guys. Like she was tired and (laughs) she was hungry. And I just kept thinking, I feel you, sister. Like I get it. (laughs) And then when I saw her finally get up and run out and just not want to be around her puppies, I was like, you and me, Mabel, we really understand each other. I completely get why you don't want to see your puppies right now. (laughs) And it was just kind of sad. Every time she would show up, they would just mob her. And I know what that feels like, right? I've got seven kids. (laughs) So, oh man, I can't tell you how many times I locked myself in the bathroom and just tried not to come out just so I can get some quiet. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that story. We have sold, I think I just sold the last puppy like a couple hours ago, but they still have to think about it. But I thought if they come here and they see this puppy, they're going to be a goner. Like they can't not get this puppy. So I'm pretty sure all eight are sold. It only took us about two weeks to sell them all. And I'm glad, even though it's a little bit sad, I'm glad for Mabel. I'm glad for me. My kids are a little bit sad, but it's just been such a fun experience. And it's kind of like when my mom leaves, you know, it's been great, but it's also good when things get back to normal. And so I'm embracing normalcy right now. I'm embracing the new normal with seven babies and a dog that finally is free of all her puppies. (laughs) And normal looks like me hanging out with y'all right now on this podcast. And I'm so glad. Okay, so enough of that. Let's talk about what we're here to learn. Because I love to teach you guys information that makes your life better, right? That's what this podcast is all about. For most of the people that find this podcast that come to me and they want to work with me or they just want to tell me that I've changed their life, which happens pretty regularly now that this podcast is being downloaded like all the time by so many people all over the world. It just brings me so much joy and makes me want to make many, many, many more podcasts, guys. So when people come to me and they have found my podcast, one of the most common things I hear is, oh my goodness, I wish I had found this so long ago. You actually get it. You understand and you're teaching me stuff that is helping me right now. And this is not something that they're getting anywhere else in their lives. And it just is so sad, but also a beautiful thing that I can do that for people. And I can do it around the clock, any time of the day, right? Any place in the country, any place in the world, because these podcasts are just out there. So today we're gonna talk about sort of, you know, leaving off from what we talked about on the last podcast five months ago, (laughs) which was sugar. So the last podcast, we talked all about sugar. And the natural question that comes after you understand how harmful sugar has been for you over all these years, and how it's probably not going to take a role in your life consistently in the future, because your body doesn't tolerate it, A very logical question that comes after that is, well, what about alternatives to sugar, right? What about artificial sweeteners or non-nutritive sweeteners, whatever you want to call it? And a common question I get from people when they're thinking about these is, are these good for me, right? 
are these going to cause some kind of problem for me? Haven't these been associated with things as bad as cancer or heart disease? Like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago I saw in the news, which I wouldn't trust the news pretty much about anything anymore, but the news was touting the latest headline that erythritol, which is a sugar alcohol, has been associated with cardiovascular disease, right? Like heart attacks and strokes. And that was a really scary headline for a lot of people. Like, I don't know about you, but I have erythritol in my pantry. And when I investigated that, once again, it was based on very poor, weak data, nothing that could be used to draw any kind of conclusion, and certainly not something that you would want to apply going forward in your life. So we've got to sort through a lot of this garbage to figure out, is this healthy, right? Is this good for me? And so this episode is going to answer that question for you too, but I'm not just going to give you science and facts. I'm going to also give you the practical and simple side of it. I'm for sure going to give you facts, and I have to tell you a really funny story about my number six, Imogene. She's almost three. Well, the lingo, I think the newest slang that my kids are using is facts. Have you guys heard this? So it's like saying something is true or that you agree with it. (laughs) And my daughter Imogene was climbing up the mountain behind our house with some of my kids. And she said, I'm doing so great. And my oldest, who absolutely adores her, was videotaping her. And he said, yeah, you are. And she said, facts. I'll just die laughing because she's like not even three and she's using this slang correctly and it just cracks us up. So I'm going to give you some facts, y'all. And we're also going to address how do you incorporate these facts into your life as a value add. I'm all about empowering you with info that is a value add. So how do you know if it's a value add? Well, do you take it and act on it in a way that improves your life? So it's okay if you don't care about the why or the science, because in the end, does it get you results, right? That's what you actually need to know. Is it going to improve your life? But, you know, I'm a why person because when I get the why behind stuff, it brings an element of purpose and meaning behind my actions. And that motivates me. Right? It makes me take more consistent action and make something sustainable. When I get that something that I'm doing is affecting a very, you know, maybe a sciencey process in my body in a way that doesn't isn't to my advantage, then I'm probably going to avoid doing that because I understand the why. So I'm going to give you the why, and we're going to do that first. And then we're going to get into the more practical aspects of how to use this information to improve your life. So let's talk about these. And again, the broad terms would be artificial sweetener, non-nutritive sweetener, and there's a couple categories here I'm going to break these into. So many of us have heard of Sweet and Low, and we've heard of Equal, these packets, you know, there's Splenda. Are they all the same? You know, are some of them good, some of them bad? So let's, let's get into the details about how to look at these as a group and then individually. So The broad term non-nutritive sweetener, I like to break that into sort of the natural sweeteners, the things that, you know, occur in nature more often, and then the things that are synthetic, things that have been, they're like compounds, chemicals that have been created in a lab, produced in a factory. And also, you know, there's something called sugar alcohols, 
which are structurally both sugar and alcohol, even though they don't contain the kind of alcohol that alters your mental state. Um, just their chemical structure resembles both sugar and alcohol. So let's talk about all three groups of those. And then there's one more that I want to mention called allulose, which is becoming more and more mainstream and has some really sort of unique advantages that we can discuss. And once we get all of those explained, then we'll start talking about how do you incorporate these into your life as a value add. So in the group of natural, I call these things like stevia, there's monk fruit, okay? And then I'm gonna also just call allulose a more naturally occurring non-nutritive sweetener. Then you've got the synthetics. These would be aspartame, you know, which is NutraSweet or equal. There's saccharin, which is sweet and low. And then there's sucralose, which is Splenda, okay? So all of these, except maybe sugar alcohols, are way sweeter than actually sugar, than actual sugar. So I'm talking 150 to like 600 times as sweet as sucrose, which is sugar, right? And so you, you don't have to use very much of these to get the sweetness that you're looking for in comparison to how sweet sugar is. And most of these are usually calorie free, right? They are very low in calories or calorie free. And this is a really important thing about these. They don't generally cause secretion of insulin from your pancreas. That right there is something that we need to remember. Because if they don't increase your insulin secretion, they're not going to be affecting your blood sugar very much. And they're also not going to be driving the disease process of insulin resistance, which is a disease where we have way too much insulin in the body, okay? So tuck that in the back of your head. Most of these, in general, do not cause a blood sugar rise and do not cause insulin secretion from your pancreas, okay? Now, that being said, there's also the practical aspect, which is you could be a person who does have a blood sugar rise from these. And so we're gonna talk about that in a second. Okay, so sugar alcohols, I want to take a second to draw out because they're different. They're not, you know, the necessarily no calorie. They're not zero calorie. They do have some calories. And we're talking about two, like three different ones. There's sorbitol and xylitol. They do have some calories and they're about as sweet as sucrose, as sugar. And they're also associated with more stomach or GI side effects than the other one, which is erythritol. So erythritol is lower in calories. It's pretty well absorbed in the GI, so it doesn't cause as many side effects as these other two, sorbitol and xylitol, okay? So that's important to recognize with sugar alcohols, and I want you to also be, when you're looking at your labels, the nutrition facts on the backs of your products that you're purchasing, sugar alcohols will be under carbohydrate, but some products don't count them and they use that to their advantage to calculate net carbohydrate, which is the actual amount of carbohydrate that can impact your blood sugar, right? So it's on the nutrition facts, you've got your carbohydrates and under that you've got fiber, sugar, and sugar alcohols will be in there. And sugar alcohols can impact your blood sugar. And so if a product is using that to calculate net calories, like they're excluding the sugar alcohol, 
or net carbohydrate, sorry, you're going to want to kind of view that with some skepticism and just test that product on you without just believing that it's something that won't impact your blood sugar, okay? Now, let's just talk real quick about allulose. So allulose is a a rather newer, non-nutritive sweetener. It's about 70% as sweet as sucrose, which is table sugar. And that's kind of nice for some of us because we're not looking for that intense sweet that we used to when we've trained our palate to not desire so much sweet. Um, But it's basically the mirror image of fructose. Fructose is the sugar in fruit. And because it's the flip chemical structure of fructose, it does not impact our blood sugar like fructose. Isn't that weird? However, it is fully absorbed in the GI. And so a lot of people don't have any GI symptoms or distress with allulose. And that can be a big upside, right? It's shown in animal studies to actually decrease blood glucose in some people, as well as abdominal fat and insulin resistance and fat in the liver. So that's pretty compelling. Not only does it not increase your blood sugar and taste sweet, but it can actually decrease your blood sugar and some of these other things that you might want to decrease. And In humans, it's been shown to lower postprandial glucose by an average of 10%. So that's the sugar after you eat food, postprandial, okay? And so that's weird and also kind of neat that it can decrease your blood glucose by an average of 10%. And they think it does this by dragging glucose out of the urine with it during elimination, The other upside to allulose is it's most like sugar in its consistency and the way it feels in your mouth. So I'm going to tell you right now, allulose sounded pretty awesome to me when I found out about it and I bought like a lot of it and then I tried it and I've actually done this more than once and I had terrible GI distress from it. I have no idea why it doesn't match the science, but the bottom line is me and allulose are not friends. So I'm just going to tell you right now. I can tell you all this stuff and it can sound like it's going to be great and then it isn't. So I want you to just remember that whatever your body says is the ultimate authority on what is or is not good for it. It's going to tell you what it does and doesn't like. We've got to listen to that, right? And when it can rock your gut like it rocked mine, it's just a no, right? It's not confusing at all. And then of course, Amongst these all, because there's many of them, right? We're talking stevia and monk fruit and allulose. And then we've got aspartame, saccharin, and sucralose, right? Splenda and sweet and low and NutraSweet and all those. The bottom line for a lot of us is going to be how does it taste to us? Some of us like the taste of Splenda and some of us can't stand it, right? And so you're going to be deciding whether or not something feels right to you or tastes good to you. And that's going to be important. But a lot of us are also questioning, like, are these safe? And let's talk about that really quick. I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot of just conversational fear-mongering going on, (laughs) like talking about these as causing cancer. And, of course, not all of them have been studied as extensively as the other ones maybe, but the oldest one, the one that has been the most extensively studied has been aspartame which is NutraSweet or equal. And it has been extensively, extensively studied. In fact, previous commissioner of the FDA said, few compounds have withstood such detailed testing and repeated close scrutiny. 
and the process through which aspartame has gone should provide the public with additional confidence of its safety. And this product has been studied not just by the FDA, but lots and lots of entities. And so I can tell you right now, none of these products have been shown to have much toxicity, and they're being studied at massive, massive doses in animals, okay? And let's not forget, real sugar isn't exactly safe for us either. I mean, if you think about what sugar has done to your body and how toxic and poisonous that it can be in the human body, especially in the quantities that we consume it in now, sugar is not exactly safe either. And so opting to eat sugar instead of alternative sweeteners might not be in your best interest either. And so each one of us has to come to our own conclusion about whether we trust how much we want to use, is it a value add, and do you want to use sugar or do you want to use nothing, right? There's no wrong or right answer here. I just want to be able to give you the factual information that helps you have the information you need to decide what's right for you. So now that we've established all of that factual sort of scientific stuff, let's talk about how to use these in real life. Do you want to use these in your life? And there's three questions that I like to ask this question more specifically with. The first one is, does it impact your blood sugar? Okay, so again, over and over, I will bring you back to the practice of eating to your meter. Why? Because it honors your body as the ultimate say-so on what is or isn't working for you. So I want you to test them. And you might test several different ones to figure out which one, if any of them, raise your blood sugar. Test one, test them all. It's counterintuitive, but sometimes they can raise your blood sugar. Okay, not in everybody, but every now and then you I hear from people who don't tolerate a certain kind or any of them because they see it showing up in their blood sugar. And this is a, a really easy time to test it is like in your morning coffee because you're fasting. You're going to check your fasting blood sugar and then you could just have your coffee. And by the way, caffeine can also raise your blood sugar. So you'll want to rule that out too by maybe having non-nutritive sweetener in some tea or a decaf and just rule out, you know, like remove the variability of having caffeine in there. But test it and see, does it raise your blood sugar? And if it does, that means it's raising your insulin. And that will break your fast, by the way. But it's also not going to be helpful if you're trying to reduce your insulin levels and reverse your diabetes to be provoking an insulin response with these non-nutritive sweeteners, especially if you want to consume them all the day long, which some people do. So we don't really understand why the people who see that showing up in their blood sugar, what is happening in the body that causes that. I think it's something going on in the microbiome. It's something going on with the bacteria inside of your gut in response to these. There's been some studies that have demonstrated infusing things like Splenda straight into the colon or into the GI tract at different locations can cause blood sugar spikes. So I don't think we really understand why this happens, but it doesn't matter. If you test, you'll know, is this you? If it is, then you know, and you can decide what you want to do with that. Maybe you want to test a different one or just eliminate them, whatever. The second question that I want to ask when I'm thinking about how do you want to use these in your life is, well, does it have any downsides for you? And 
that would be things like GI distress or side effects of some kind, right? Sometimes people have weird intolerance issues. Like I've had people tell me that when they stopped using Splenda, their joints stopped hurting. I thought that was really interesting. And I'm not going to argue with somebody like, you know, your body, you're paying attention, your body's telling you information. And if you eliminate these and you feel better, then I'm not going to argue with that. It's probably a no for you then, right? So if you're getting GI side effects with one, you may do better with a different one and you can try that. Um, I, you know, I've heard people have terrible side effects with monk fruit, but then I can have monk fruit and I don't have any problems. I love my monk fruit maple syrup. That's such a value add in my life. Okay, the next downside that I wanna draw your attention to that some people may have not thought about and something that I have recently seen demonstrated with so much clarity in my own life has been the ability of those artificial sweeteners or non-nutritive sweeteners to sort of hijack or activate a lot of urges, cravings, and desire in the mind, okay? So I have obviously post-baby, I'm no longer breastfeeding, I'm ready to get going on my own weight loss after having this baby. And yeah, you might think it's too soon, but it works for me and I like it. So back off, just kidding. (laughs) Um, I have been on my game and, you know, pretty much in straight ketosis for weeks and just feeling good, right, in my body, watching it shrink, watching it get toned again, and I haven't really had, I didn't have any urges, desires, or cravings for several weeks because when you remove these sweet tastes from the mouth and you're not eating them regularly, those pathways, those neurological pleasure pathways in your brain, they kind of fade out. They are not being activated and used. And so they can kind of disappear sometimes. And you you may notice that when you eat real clean and you don't eat sugar, that you don't have a lot of cravings and drama and desire for sweets anymore. That's pretty awesome, right? It's nice to be free of all that drama. So I've been doing that for several weeks and I wanted to try a product for some of my clients that was like a meal prep delivery program. And I ordered the fat bomb sweetened dessert like varieties that they had to try them. And I had like peanut butter cheesecake bar and then I had peanut butter truffle And it was such a cool thing to witness my brain literally be like on crack cocaine. Okay, so (laughs) the the sweet taste in my mouth was so intensely pleasurable. I hadn't been having that for many weeks. And it was like I couldn't be okay with just one, right? I was like going back for more. I wanted to have another one. And it was like so much drama that I had been free of for weeks. So it was a very clear thing for me to watch. And then I noticed that I wanted them the next day, okay? So I noticed that having that intense, sweet, pleasurable experience with those non-nutritive sweeteners sort of woke up and activated those pleasure pathways that caused me to have a lot of drama and desire for more sweets hours, days after I had had them. And it just wasn't worth it to me, guys. I have to tell you, like, it was so nice to be going about my life without any drama or any cravings. And then suddenly to have that be an element of my background mind chatter was not a value add. It wasn't worth it to me. So I learned a lesson there. That was a really great experience because I learned from it. 
And so I've since just not had them, just got them out of my day to day. And I just haven't, I've gone back to having no drama, no cravings. Okay, so the last question I want to ask when I'm thinking about do I want to have these in my life is what about do they add experience that makes this process more enjoyable for me? Because the truth is, I need this process to feel enjoyable because that leads to sustainability. I want to be able to live a healthy lifestyle for the rest of my life, right? Not just for this year or whatever. And if these products are making it easier for you to stay on plan, if they're making it easier for you to not have to deal with restriction and deprivation type feelings or thoughts, that could make your life more enjoyable. And if they don't cause side effects, they don't cause cravings and desire, and you can just have, you know, one or two a week, and it just gives you that satisfaction or solves that problem for you, and that makes this more sustainable for you, that's a value add. Okay, so those are the three questions that I want you to consider when you're thinking about whether you want to have these in your life. And then just one more word of reflection. If you're struggling like you've hit a plateau with your blood sugars or you, you've hit a plateau with your weight loss and you don't know what's causing it and it just seems like you're stuck, you might experiment with cutting these out for a month or so to see what happens. Like we've all heard that study result that people who stop drinking Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke suddenly can lose a bunch of weight without changing anything else in their diet. So what's up with that? And I'm going to tell you why that is. There's something called a cephalic phase insulin response. That's when your brain perceives you're tasting something sweet. There must be sugar coming in the body and it causes your body to release insulin in preparation for the receiving of that nutrient, okay? So it's an insulin response purely by the brain, not because there's actually been nutrients sensed by the body. And if you're triggering that, you're going from a fasted state into a fed state. You're going from fat burning mode into fat storage mode. Insulin is the switch that flips you from fat burning to fat storing. So if your insulin is high, like most of us, if we have insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes, it's hard to lose weight anyway because your body is in perpetual fat storage mode. And if you are a person who's having that cephalic phase insulin response, then your body, when you're drinking a Diet Pepsi or a couple throughout the day, or I know somebody that was drinking like a case of that sweetened green tea from Lipton every week, they were drinking that all the time. Or I, I know somebody was drinking like Snapple, Diet Snapple peach flavored tea all the time. Like just stopping that can sometimes allow the body to not be in secreting insulin all the time, which is telling the body even more loudly to store fat. So if you stop doing that and your body stops perceiving that signal to store, store, store because you're not causing that insulin response from your brain, yeah, your body might lose weight, right? Because insulin is a fat storage hormone and it's going down now and it's not being constantly secreted all day long. So that's something that might be useful to know is if you're stuck and you wanna see, is it my non-nutritive sweetener? Just take a break from it and see what happens. Don't change anything else and just see what happens if you can break through that plateau or not. Okay, so this is the content that I have for you today. 
I'm so happy to be back with you guys again. I want you to listen real quick to the outro. I've changed it up. By the way, I did change up my intro to say seven angels too. Did you notice? (laughs) But I want you to listen to the outro too, because I have something really special that I want to be offering to you. And I'm excited to offer this. It's something that has been asked for. And I want you to see if it's something that you're interested in. So just stay tuned for the next few minutes. Okay, don't leave yet. You're going to want to hear about this. If you love my podcast, if I'm the only sane voice you've found on this subject, if I've already helped you, you need to check out my online course. It's a start to finish step-by-step video course that teaches you all the tools you need to know to beat this disease. You can find it on my website, sarahtownley.com along with lots of other free tools that will make taking care of your diabetes so much easier. So get over there right now. See you there.